I'm Hannah Warmer and welcome to season three of The Rosin Diaries, where I'll be discussing everything violin and film composing related and everything in between with a variety of guests. Hello guys, I'm so sorry for how late this podcast is. It's been a crazy time, I've had illness and then absolutely loads of work. But we are back on with the podcast and this episode is about can we lead a happier and healthier life by moving in time with nature. Um, I'm going to have a few um, listeners' perspectives on that and then talk to you about what I've discovered over my ancient years. (laughs) So guys, I decided this subject matter because it's something very close to home for me. Um, You may remember a podcast um, in season one, which was Am I a Hippie? But um, I'm a modern gal and I I never saw myself as this really. But I found, as us millennials say, adulting sometimes difficult. Your responsibilities, um, supposing to know how to do these things, um, how to do everything, how to fit things into your life, how to eat the right way you're supposed to eat, how to be responsible and pay your bills, how to get your car insurance done, how to um, drive within the... And we're supposed to know all this. And these are just... And anyone listening says, oh, millennials. But I'm, I'm saying we are supposed to know all this in our modern world. We're supposed to do a nine-to-five job. We're supposed to work extremely hard. We're supposed to... Um, parents, if people become parents, they're supposed to know how to do all that. There's lots of pressures and people go yeah that's life but I would also say in this modern world I mean these are just some pressures stuff off the top of my head everyone has different pressures um managing finances um if you're self-employed you know being successful at that but that's you know that's an extra pressure if you're not even just employment how to you know grow in employment how to get promoted how to even just fit your job in how to fit all this in um, and we're supposed to do that, and we're supposed to not complain because that is being a snowflake. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big complainer myself, but I don't begrudge people complain. What I'm talking today is not actually moaning about all that, but I'm talking about the fact that there's a high rise in mental health issues in today's society. Um, there's a lot of suicides. There's a lot of depression, there's a lot of anxieties, there's a lot of stuff that people are too embarrassed to talk about. Um, And also, we're perhaps told that this is like a modern, like the last 20 years thing. But I would say going back as far as history can record, that was there for many generations. It just wasn't a thing. But, interestingly enough, you know, I've always... When I was the happiest as a child, I was at one with nature. My carefree days of being a child was running outside, playing outside, climbing trees, um, growing things, or just trying to... I mean, I don't mean I had a veg patch or anything, or just, you know, like, planting. 
simple memories of like getting an apple um, pip after I um, ate it as a child and putting it in so and watching it grow. I was devastated when I stroked it too much and it snapped. Um, saving baby birds on the floor, watching things grow and yet things started to make sense and make a pattern in my life that we were all, I think lots of us were interested in that when we were young and then it makes way for all the serious stuff we have to do as adults, adulting, I'm going to use the word a lot in this podcast, but it got me to thinking that, well actually I, I started thinking that I wanted to introduce stuff that gave me pleasure again, I got to a certain stage of quite young adult actually and realised that like, adulting wasn't that fun and to deal with it I should keep the things, not all the things from my youth, you know, I no longer wear a nappy, but to keep the things from my youth that give me pleasure and don't harm me or anyone else. <laughs> so, um, most of the exercise I do now is stuff I find fun. I don't do any exercise that is not fun. Um, I've changed that sl slightly in lockdown. I've got a lot more cardio in my life, which I don't find fun, but that's because fun cardio was kind of removed from my life, so I make that a habit. But introducing more stuff like growing my own veg, um, exercising a lot more outdoors, setting myself rules that I should go out every day, having a dog's great for that, to get outside. Um, but then I started linking things a lot more. Maybe this is like a pandemic thing where you spend more time on your own. <laughs> but I started thinking that in the animal world, in the natural world with wild animals, there is very little suicide or depression in wild animals. Yeah, and I, I started thinking, why can't I should really start observing my pets a lot more. <laughs> like, be more like them. Because, you know, healthy, happy animals tend to not get depressed or be suicidal. You do see examples of self-harm and mental health issues in caged animals or domesticated animals that are not being given a great quality of life. And that is also a thing I noticed. Um, animals that are fully domesticated and reliant on the humans, they need you need to replicate a natural environment for them. Whether it's um, an indoor cat, you have to have enough toys and enough things to replicate the outside. So, and it started getting me thinking about humans, that we are fully domesticated. And so perhaps mental health issues and the way we life, live, we need to start replicating. We are not for one second saying we should all go live in mud huts, but we should perhaps replicate more of what our ancient ancestors did um, to help our mental health if you look back on ancient civilizations there's not a lot of historical documentation on suicides i mean we can see deaths and not a lot of them were suicides you know from archaeological point of view and neither was there a lot of presumably mental health issues because it's not very well documented um again you could say perhaps they didn't realize that but i would argue that they looked after their mental health and their overall health, because I believe mental health and physical health is all connected. Because self-care for ancient people was of the utmost importance. Self-care was about survival. 
And it seems to me in this society where it seems a lot safer and death rates are down and things are looked after, we've forgot to look after ourselves. We spent so much time, our biggest, we're putting most of our interest in getting the right car or fitting in with our peers or doing what we think society wants of us that we forgot to look after ourselves. Human society today almost moves at cross purposes to the natural world. Nowhere in nature does it anything work nine to five, five plus days a week for 12 months a year. There are ebbs and flows, busy times and downtimes in nature, time for regeneration, time for productivity, and time for rest. Sometimes in nature, animals and ancient civilizations would work a lot harder than what we're working. And then in other times, they would spend months resting, and animals still do that. So we have gone away from that as society. We've... And I'm also not suggesting that we move fully like ancient people you know like we have three or four months in the northern hemisphere of just like hibernating because we can't possibly carry on a job like that and we can't live in the modern world like that but i do think we should take some of this ancient wisdom into ourselves and put a lot more reliance on self-care and work out a way to ebb and flow our life that allows us to be centered and takes care of our physical and mental health. So as mentioned, I'm very interested in past cultures, um, the wisdom from them. I never choose to live like a fully like a past culture i don't think there is a need to do everything that they did two thousand years ago i don't think they were a better culture than modern culture but there's some wisdoms i believe we have lost on our journey to becoming wiser and more not evolved but a very industrious civilization and I think human race should be very proud of their achievements but we've moved probably faster than evolution would allow so there's some things we've lost on the way and I like to look at the pulse cultures particularly the ones with the multi-god faiths one that's still huge today Hinduism um, Buddhism but also the pagan religions of Europe which kind of got lost quite a bit in the crusades and all that sort of area so to a lot of these um it's hard to explain these cultures to people that were raised in a single god faith particularly i'm talking mainly to the christian world here because in the christian faith um one god is everything and one god is a god but in multi-god faiths what their god is is different to everyone so um but most of these religions their gods represented something in nature and that's the thing that um i'm very interested in so whether or not a viking truly believed that four existed and you know like he's going to come and help him but more for vikings and for hinduism each god represented something in nature and an aspect of their personality as well that they can call on so unless they were less when working or 
talking of the gods, they were more talking of aspects of their personality and aspects of nature that they would like to call upon. And so that really interests me, the way that they were so focused on their own inner power, their own aspects of their personality and the aspects of the world around them. More than praying for faith, they would pray for inner strength and call upon and really focus their mind. And you can see that work with sort of Viking invasions and things. But um yeah, so I'm I'm not saying that we should all go invading or, you know, raping and pillaging, but it's very interesting how they were so connected. And of course they had to be connected with nature and themselves because it was a matter of survival for them. Whereas it's not a matter of um physical survival for us. But perhaps living the best life we can live and appreciating what we've got and having a fulfilled life, it's worth reconnecting with nature and ourselves. So um, good examples of this is yoga where it helps you connect both the body and the mind. I'm very, very big on yoga, but when I go away from a bit and come back, I feel absolutely rejuvenated. My body the next day feels a little like, you know, I've worked the whole body, but also absolutely rejuvenated because I'm connecting every tiny little muscle in my body and I'm taking control of my mind to control these tiny muscles that we forget about on a daily basis. So I absolutely love that. If you go deeper into yoga as well, there's a lot of spirituality, but I'm talking just on the surface here. Equally, I'm very, very, very interested in Nordic runes and Anglo-Saxon runes and the way that they were so wise. Again, taking it away from perhaps the film version of like telling a fortune or your future from the runes, but just reading about the wisdom that was involved in each one. So each rune has positive and negative attributes to it, but what it seems to be be the viking idea of a rune is a rune sorry i also know someone called a rune it's a name but the viking wisdom and the viking belief system wasn't fighting against nature or fighting against the inevitable but working with it for the best possible outcome so i'm going to read you some kind of um rune meaning so rune 11 is isa and that's the rune that no one wants to get if they're going to have some sort of fortune telling but it basically means stasis it means it's mundane meaning means frustrated plans it's isa it's direct translation to english is ice and it doesn't mean like ice skating or anything it means this is like in the north of europe and ice is a big deal so, and so it means obstacles and that kind of thing, which sounds really harsh, but also its wisdom in that is to rest stillness. It's an imposed rest, an acceptance, a surrender. And this is really interesting to me, this kind of wisdom, because we think of Vikings as very warmongering and very powerful. But their actual wisdom is to pick your battles and also to know when to rest. So a good example of this would be if you're self-employed 
and you're strung out and you're getting and this is probably to a lot of musicians out there and you're pushing and you're pushing and pushing and you think you've got this big sort of break coming and then it that plan gets frustrated if you row against that if you push and won't accept that then you're just going to burn more emotional energy if you try you know the best thing to do in that situation is use the opportunity to rest to regather to rebuild and this is what vikings did in the coldest parts of the winter they weren't going out starting any wars at that time they weren't farming at that time they weren't um traveling and trading when the ice comes use it as an opportunity to rest you, you have two opportunities you can pace you can pace around your room and keep fighting and fighting and fighting yourself or you can rest you can lean into it you can rest recuperate you can plan your next moves and that doesn't have to be like that sounds really sinister plan the next attack but i mean it like uh, the pandemic was a, is a great example you can rail against it you can rail against lockdowns you can protest you can do whatever you want and it is your right to do it but for a health and a wellness and a ultimately positive outcome for yourself and this i use this wisdom i was isorunin the whole time through lockdown to rest recuperate do what you need to do to make yourself the best possible you so that when things are open you're in the best possible position that could be you know planning new work positions it could be I yoga swinged a lot. It could be growing your own veg. It could be coming, having time away from it. It could be practicing your technique. It could be setting up your website. It could be recording and releasing new music. But to fight against the inevitable, to fight against something that you, uh, to fight a battle you can't win. And that is something we are not taught in modern society. We are taught work hard work hard work hard and the rewards will be yours whereas the ancient wisdom they knew that nature was the most impowerful thing impowerful powerful thing and there are sometimes things in life be a tsunami be an ice storm be a global pandemic that you can't fight against and they were happy and brave enough to live with that reality but it did not impinge on their life they use the opportunity because everyone needs a rest. Now, what's different is the many ancient people used to live their lives this way. So work hard in the summer and then in the winter, that would be the rest period. And they'd lean into that rest. Modern people find it hard to rest. We all say, I need a rest. I need a break. I need a holiday. People go on holiday. Then they're on Facebook all the time. Text, 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 text. They're not resting. So we find it hard. The ancient people they knew about rest and they knew its importance for self-care so this is when i say i feel there's less mental health issues and i feel like they didn't know the word self-care but ancient people were logical enough to self-care they didn't go oh well my mental health's gonna suffer if i don't it was more a case of it was an obvious choice to do it was the inevitable you rest when it's icy and if you've worked hard enough in the summer then you'll have enough provisions to get you through that rest and that's why it's so important to rest because next summer you're going to have to be working hard again 
So it's a different world, and I'm not suggesting. I would love. I always say, I, I, people say, like, what would you consider success? I'm like to live this way. To li I suffer from like, I have to really work at um my health in the winter. I, I get tired without sunshine. I get tired if it's not warm, and so I have two choices. So like, these are my two versions of success: being able to hibernate through the winter months. You know, like to be financially stable enough to hibernate and not work. Or to be financially stable enough to chase summer round the globe the whole time. But I think on a health situation, probably the rest one would be better. But I do, I've also actually um, found ways to deal with my inability to have any energy in the winter. And I'll talk about that later. And though I'm not going to read you every rune, because <laughs> there's a lot. I'm another interesting one which goes against everything we are told about modern life is rune number 20 which is manaz and um, manaz translates as human and represents the mystery of each human being's relationship with other human beings and interestingly this is how the ancient Europeans um, saw themselves and their relationships the most immediate is our own story, the pursuit of our own personal destiny. Next comes the story of the family group, or the tribe to which we belong. Finally, we are all connected through these relationships to the fundamental riddles of life. The fate of the universe, of the divine itself, resides in the soul of every individual. Now, that sounds a bit airy-fairy, I know, but what we are taught in our society we are actually told not to look after ourselves first. We are told as human beings that our most important thing is to look after our family. It starts from parents. Parents are told, particularly mothers, that they have to give themselves up for their children, that their life is no longer theirs, that they're driving them around. Everything they do, everything they do must do for their child. If their child fails, then they have failed. And it's true as the relationship changes and they get older, the children are considered failures for not fully looking after parents. And hear me out. You can say I'm a bad person about this, but hear me out. I feel that kind of narrative actually encourages potential, not in all cases, not in most cases, but encourages a lot more toxic family situations uh, where families are entrenched in one another and the, the, often the um, success of the child is fully entrenched in the success of the parents where the child feels so much responsibility to the parent because the parents are living are not living a separate life to their children and the children aren't living a separate life to their parents their identities are fully entrenched and there's many cases of this I mean the most public at the moment seems to be the Britney Spears case but there's many, I shared something on social media recently about sort of narcissistic families and things, but I feel like um, society kind of encourages that. And that's not saying the average family is narcissistic or this idea of scapegoating and favoring children and living vicariously through each other and too much responsibility to each other. Whereas the principle of Manaz is that 
you are interconnected and you are duty bound to look after one another but you can't do that without looking after yourself first so you become self-sufficient mentally and physically the, your number one responsibility is to look after yourself and only by looking after yourself and making yourself financially mentally and physically self-sufficient can you then look after your family and your tribe and that turns modern society upside down and i think that's really good advice the amount of mothers i see new mothers who are just running themselves ragged um i see this a lot at the gym as well you know like you sometimes i hear them all you know it, they seem very 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 strung out and about silly things about you know their child's ribbon in their hair about how their child is presented about um and what to buy their children and their children are demanding off that's something i left out earlier on but the children demanding they want this and they want this and they want this and if they don't buy it for them then they're bad parents and at the same time the child has to do ballet lessons and then they have to win a gold medal and, and all that is not important but perhaps as a society we should teach our children to be self-reliant to look after themselves to chase their personal destiny but not to make them psychopaths we can also teach them empathy compassion and a sense of duty to help people when able to and you're only able to help your family or to help your society when you are helping yourself and i feel like the narrative in the modern world has created a a quite a selfish you know like the narrative we should be very selfless but because we're given so little attention to ourselves the general society seems to be a lot more selfish people have their own belief systems and if people don't fit into that then we get quite hateful to each other whether it's immigrants coming over and no one has any sympathy for them or whether it's people talking about climate change and like hating with a passion potentially even wishing death on people who don't agree with them and i feel like everyone has through their upbringing and their own experiences their own personal belief system what's important and there's no there's no compassion or empathy because we've spent so much time giving that we haven't fully looked after ourselves, and we're all a little bit broken and so yeah made me go a bit deep today on the podcast but i told you it's all <laughs> nature makes me deep so um looking through that i'm going to break my podcast now into sections to do with health and happiness and nature so the first one is moving with nature and how we can do that working in a natural cycle eating within a natural cycle and then mental health within natural cycles we're going to be understand the world isn't synthetic and isn't constant there are ups and downs highs and lows summers and winters and appreciating and embracing everything is cyclical this is a subject close to my heart this podcast is going quite long today so i'm going to move it forward and just 
brush through things. So moving with nature and working in a natural cycle, I, this is something I've only worked out in the last, I'd say I got a lot better in the pandemic actually. We are led to believe as people that we should be switched on and productive every second of our life. We are led to feel guilty about having lines. We're led to feel guilty about wasting a day. We're led to feel guilty about procrastination. We, there are two sorts of people in this world, aren't there? The lazy people and then the productive people. But I believe this is a lie. In fact, I did a personality test recently. It's like, what kind of toxic person are you? I got called lazy. <laughs> Whereas we all know I'm not lazy. I'm actually more productive now than I've ever been. And this is because I've learned to procrastinate and I've learned to work in cycles. So I am speaking from my point of view and is this the way I'm doing things will definitely not work for people who work nine to fives. Um, but I'll discuss that in a bit. I can't, I can't obviously know your personal circumstance, but, um, I definitely think we should find cyclical ways of working and to not be switched on and productive every second of our lives. This is my sort of self-employed musician way of doing things. And it's very important for us musicians and self-employed people because we suffer a lot from burnout. So if you're self-employed, you can either waste a whole week doing nothing and then hate yourself and feel like you're wasting your life or you can be really productive do way too much and then stress yourself out and have a hissy fit also thing the thing that happens for me is i i um i have to keep on getting myself in check because I set myself days off or times to procrastinate, times to forgive myself for being at leisure. Um, and then one week I will have a busy week and it goes really well and I get a bit of an adrenaline rush and then I can't come down for it. So the next week I'm working extra hard and then I'll have a crash the third week. So what I would say is my most productive work and my best work comes after a time where I fully let myself go. I have a yoga swing all the way. But it's not just sometimes I'm doing yoga swing and I've not really switched off and it's not really worked. You have to fully engage with letting yourself go with the procrastination. And I've learnt as well, and I'm always learning, how to know what my body needs. And so what I, I constantly check in with myself. And now I even plan what am I going to do on my days off. What has my week been? Has there been a lot of hard and fast work has it been physically tiring or has it been mentally tiring and if the answer is physically tiring if I'm absolutely physically drained then I will and the weather's going to be terrible or something then I will just give myself you will stay on the sofa and you will have Netflix um <laughs> but at the same time if I've been mentally drained but not done too much physically actually then I want to up my physical and I will make a plan to do something like um, a nature walk, go around historic buildings, maybe go to London, something exciting. And the reason is, by the end of the month, if I've balanced my life out enough with enough cycles of highs and lows, with mentally stimulating stuff, with stuff where I can just rest, with stuff where I can just think, and thinking is very important, just being calm and still 
then by the end of that month I am always the happiest I can be I live with no regrets I have lots of amazing memories of restaurants or museums um and I also have had enough sort of inspirational ideas to do with work and everything's buzzing but if I've misbalanced my month maybe I've burnt the candle at both ends I've gone out too much socially and I've done too much work but I haven't rested then I will feel mentally drained for the week coming for the artistic side of my career and also um it could be the other way that I've rested way too much not bothered to go out and then you think what am I doing in my life I haven't done anything you know I'm just working and sleeping so how you do that in your own career I obviously potentially have no days off my job is whenever I want it to be I potentially have no hours off so I have a half day on a Monday and a full day on a Tuesday off as my kind of basic but often that can be eaten into because work gets too hard so I always kind of have a self audit near the end of the week how much work I've actually done and this week recording this podcast it was a crazy busy week last week so I'm taking a lot of time off I'm so you know checking in with myself and I'm doing mixtures of just after the work just after that busy week finished I had a sofa day like just don't even and so I'm bad on sofa days I literally go on my laptop and start doing like written work instead like be productive my mind's always like be productive be productive and when my mind's like that it's like yeah you really need to meditate (laughs) don't even do yoga don't move just put some headphones on and have some voice telling you to relax (laughs) and so I do that and then as the weeks progressed I'm taking some more time so when this podcast comes out I will be um, going to see a historic building and it's I'm feeling really rejuvenated actually after last week so this has really worked out for me but don't beat yourself up if um, if you haven't worked out your cycles and obviously you can't I can choose whenever if I crash and burn if I get too tired I can choose midday in between concerts or in between work I can choose just to rest and I'm very privileged to have that but the downside is sometimes I never rest and so I can live a little bit more like an ancient person that way I don't have three months rest it's more a day or an hour or so but I can choose that rest if you're working in an office and I may be wrong about this and everywhere is different but I would say lean into procrastination I think it's very unnatural to work from a nine to five and be fully on that whole time five days a week and sometimes six sometimes seven um I would say I work longer hours than that I'm working more a kind of mm, sometimes eight till ten but I have breaks in between I'm saying that full-on you know like stuck it into you know like that compressed amount of time where you have to be fully productive for that compressed amount of time with very little breaks and when you do have a break a half hour break or whatever it's hard to switch off isn't it It, I thought it's impossible to be fully at your best and focused and 100% productive for uh, such a long period of time and but we do that in the modern world because it makes sense financially you can't have someone come in for an hour do some work and then go for a couple hours and you know employers have to have that so I get that so I think in employment 
or anything i i've you know even if it's in your natural in your social life lean into um not always giving 100 percent. find how you, the ebbs and flows of your work and when there is an ebb give yourself permission to be a bit less productive then don't be on switch yourself off relax relax you know be there on standby but relax yourself mentally and physically in those periods you're 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 doing a bit of isa there's nothing to be done don't fight it chill so that would be my advice for office work i'm just going to say if you're a pilot perhaps don't follow that advice or driving in any heavy machinery um but definitely because we beat ourselves up a lot by for procrastination we think we're bad for procrastinating but that is our body telling ourselves to relax you you are still at work you're there you're on standby you're like a fireman waiting for the fire um each job would be different i can't tell you enough how um to do each job but i definitely would say lean into procrastination but when it is something that you can really take control of give it your 100% so don't be a procrastinator who just all day long you're seen as flaky and stuff you know put your effort into getting there on time put your effort into your work being the best it can be but in the ebbs and flows of your your work when there is a downtime lean into that procrastination and that is my feelings on and I would say the same actually um on you know social life as well leaning into the ebbs and flows you don't always have to be on for your friends you don't always have to be entertaining them be the best friend you can be when it's needed but don't be so full of anxiety and on edge that you have to be 100% on all the time um so yeah let me know what you feel about that now we're talking about eating within a natural cycle um i don't do any particular diet recently just to mix up um well i joined fit app big shout out to them just because it's free and i thought break up i've never really thought much about eating or exercise because i eat pretty well and my i like i'm just like doing fun ex, like things like using my energy a lot i like physically moving i like um climbing on climbing frame <laughs> I like I like playing tennis, I like swimming, I, you know, I'm an active person, so I've never really thought too much about serious exercise or exercise programs. In the same way, I naturally gravitate towards a lot of healthy food, but I like unhealthy food as well, so I've never thought too much. Thought a bit more about my diet and exercise since the lockdowns, because obviously my routine's been messed up. My diet, I haven't thought about eating healthfully so much as mixing, I've gone, after a year of the pandemic... I've gone off cooking a little bit because cooking's always been a huge pleasure of mine and a luxury of mine. But after doing a lot more cooking all the time and being in the same house and eating the same food, kind of my repertoire has seen a bit like, you know, it's a bit like samey. So on the Fit app, I got the recipes out and went for some of that. And they've really introduced me to so much more food and like ingredients I've never used before. So I've gone a bit more into that. But, and also, you know, I've sort of structured my exercise a bit more. The way I do exercise now is mainly do fun. And again, have a stock intake at the end of the week. Have you done much cardio, Hannah? That's normally the one that I haven't done. Um, Also weights a bit more. I know that women can lose muscle mass. Um, 
and so in, in later life that could um, impinge on me because of arthritis and and osteoporosis and stuff so it's not for me now but me for the future as a violinist I want to still be active so um, I, I do weight training I've never done before because mainly my exercise is stuff I find fun and yoga um, but eating with a natural cycle I think this is great for the environment it's great for your purse but it's also great for your health. So again, looking back at the ancient people and what they were eating, you know, a lot of, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian or anything like that. And please eat within your own, like what you favor. But I believe in never cutting out any form of food whatsoever. I believe in you know, having a takeaway when you want and eating unhealthily once you want because we are living in the modern world so I'm not going to live on berries and nuts like an Anglo-Saxon but I think we should look at the way they all ate to survive and what would happen in ancient times in Northern Europe is you would have seasonal fruit and veg and the seasonal fruit and veg, you go for it on them. You go eat them, otherwise they'll go rotten. And then there were foods that could be stored, and there were more sort of fatty foods. And normally the fatty foods and, and the higher calorie foods were the foods that would be stored. And you want to be storing those foods. If you just do whatever you want and shove those foods down your throat, like all the grain and all the animals and I'm just gonna then you will have nothing for the winter and you will die so that's why they self-regulated their food because because it was about survival we don't have that these days we can literally um eat chocolate eat uber eats eat pizza whenever we want and we don't really think about food as fuel and so the way I run my life is I think of food as fuel I like to eat seasonally and it helps me by growing my own veg now. Also, by growing my own veg, it really helps my mental health because it makes me understand nature a bit more. I hate cold weather. I hate rain. I hate grey clouds. But I understand why it's needed for... You know, my courgettes are doing amazingly. My cherries aren't so much. It helps me also grow my own veg to... Um, when the skies are still grey and you don't go out a lot and you're not engaging with nature... In the UK, it could be May, uh, March, April, and it seems growing. You're like, will winter ever end? If you are growing your own veg, you start to see shoots. You start to see the changes before you see them or feel them. The plants tell you before anyone else. So that's great for your mental health. But yeah, I think so. Like all the fatty foods, all the treats and stuff, live like an ancient person. Have a treat once in a while, but don't eat too many treats. Save them for the winter. <laughs> And again, you know, on, on the reason pre-Christianity, you know, they always had Yule, um, which is the winter solstice. And the winter solstice is there. So they'd save all their food and they'd live mildly through October, November, December. And when they reach the winter solstice and whatever's excess for their what they've budgeted out, they would feast on that like well done we made it this far and they feed themselves up to continue through but they've made it to the hard point they wouldn't eat all their food they're not stupid but they eat the excess on their their budget till the winter solstice because they've done extremely well and so that's what that's all about um 
But in a modern world, we seem to see it as depressing to cut down our excesses, to budget out. We often, you know, spend too much on food. We eat too much food. We do too much. And we find it depressing that we aren't doing enough. But actually, we should congratulate ourselves if we can cut down on our food budget, even if we're multimillionaires, to cut down on our food budget by eating local fresh produce when it is in season then we're helping the environment, we're helping our health, and we're helping our purse. And so I think we should re-center, you know, success is not showing how much excess on your girth or on your credit card that you can spend, but we should really celebrate on how well and sensibly we live our lives. And once in a while, treat ourselves and go, yeah, you deserve it, absolutely. But I think we have to check in mentally, we have to check in physically, and we have to check in without eating, you know, once a week, and you know, don't, don't beat yourself up if you, you know, and I don't actually believe in dieting too much, I just think, eat well most of the time, and treat yourself once in a while, and just check in on yourself, can I deserve that treat? Now we're going to go into some listeners' messages about eating with nature and eating healthily. Hi, Hannah. Uh, you said that your podcast was about li- uh, living a happier, healthier life. When I was younger, uh, I w- you know, I was six foot three, but then I ended up gaining to be like 250 pounds. And that, you know, normally I would probably weigh about two, 200 or 220. But I was eating uh, so much chocolate and, you know, bad foods. But as I've gotten older, I've learned to adjust myself to where I can just eat three meals a day and eat the right foods, you know, mostly vegetables, but a lot of meats. And I think meats are good for you. Uh, But people have to adjust themselves to their lifestyle and trying to uh, eat chocolates and stuff into your lifestyle. It's it's bad for you. Uh, All sugars are are bad. I mean, uh, okay, and to go on from the last part where I got cut off, uh, people need to. It's okay when you're when you're younger to maybe you know do a little more exploring with you know sugars or whatever. But still, as you get older, my my metabolism has changed. I, I was slow when I was younger, but now it's really fast. And uh, getting exercise in and Helping yourself that way will also make it easier for you to uh, do things easier. And as far as food, I, w- I would recommend three meals a day. People try to, you know, overeat and get more food, but you really don't have to. You just, your body knows what it wants. And that's that's healthy. Just knowing what you want and knowing what you Oh, that was a shame Paul got cut off. But yes, completely agree with what Paul said. I'm glad he like messaged him for, to, to finish that off. Isn't that interesting? So he was talking about gaining some excess weight when he was young through you know, living on some more unhealthy food, chocolate and stuff like that. And now he lives pretty much, we were talking about similar things. He's living uh, mainly on vegetables, 
but with meat and stuff, you know, like a balanced diet. So he's not starving himself. He's not, and he seems to be enjoying that. And I think it is a recentering of our mind from what we're told from society makes us successful and makes us happy. We should recenter that. It should make us really, I mean, it makes me, again, grow my own veg. It makes me really happy to eat vegetables. If I'm right, if I was to go on a diet and be told today you're going to eat courgettes, you'll know, be like, I don't want to eat courgettes, I want to eat a doner kebab. But my mind is, and this is accidentally, I'm not saying I, I'm, this is what I've learned from doing things, and it's, these are happy accidents where, and this is, you know, where it's led me um, mentally. But um, I take a pleasure. It's like, when I look at my little recipe cards, you know, because I'm, I'm being given recipes now, it's like, courgette, yay, I get to use my courgettes. And, um, you yeah, know, weren't a favourite food of mine before. Again, I've just harvested uh, the cherries from my tree. What I do with the cherries and what I do with all the fruit and um, on my trees, I try to eat as much as I can. And then all the ones that are going off or it's, you know, I can't eat a whole cherry tree for cherries despite loving them. All the ones going off and the apples and stuff, I harvest them all. I put them in the freezer and then I will turn them into cherry and apple juice, which I'll turn into cider. And I'm going to do that later on. So, And I take such a great pleasure in that. Now, you could see that as... Oh my God, so money grabbing and saving. You know, why can't you just pay out for some cider? Or you can see that it's like such a pleasure. And the exercise of climbing trees and... Yeah, and I could buy cider to be honest, but I prefer my own. But <laughs> or the exercise of climbing the trees, grabbing the cherries and the drinking of the cider as well. I'm not... I'm drinking mindfully. When I drink a glass of wine in a restaurant, I say, mm, that's nice and I drink it. It can, that sort of drinking can lead to more drinking, but when you drink your own cider or your own wine or anything you've made yourself, you drink or eat it, you know, if you're eating the food, you eat it mindfully, you really appreciate that because you knew the work that went into it. You knew the hours and hours of boiling up juices and then fermenting them. You will definitely drink mindfully and you'll appreciate everything you've got. Whereas I feel like, as the human race, right now, often we start going, we live synthetically. We're not appreciating the world around us. We're not appreciating what we're putting in our mouths and eating or drinking. We're not appreciating the walks we go in or the daily life. We've almost gone into this stasis. We're almost domesticated ourselves and we're not living a fully, a fully interactive life. So all of this seems to connect and again it seems to be living more like an ancient person so yes i do have a mobile phone yes i do drive a car we'd like it to be a more um a, a more eco-friendly car eventually yes i do do lots of modern things and i'm a thoroughly modern girl but i feel there's certain things from ancient wisdom that and I wouldn't suggest you all do the way I do it because it wouldn't fit into your lives. I mean, if you're living in a flat in a city, growing your own vegetables would be more hassle than work and potentially you wouldn't get a lot from it. I mean, you wouldn't get a lot of fruit and veg from it. But finding ways, what you could do is go to the supermarket and Google on your phone what is in season right now. And even the most basic of supermarkets, I guarantee when aubergines are in season, they're like 89 pence and really cheap. So, and that gives you a pleasure. So finally, 
I would like to say that mental health within nature, and I can't believe, I wouldn't say, like, I, I believe mental health is what it says on the tin. I don't believe the idea, some people, like, say, like, oh, they've got mental health. It's like everyone has mental health. It's your mental health in the same way your physical health. So mental health is not an insult or an embarrassing thing. Um... But I think it's something that everyone should check in on. And the idea of mental health issues, I think everyone can have issues. I would say my issue is that I like to be really physical fit. I'm very sort of healthy and uh, full of life and full of energy. And it frustrates me when I'm not. And when I was as a child, I had endless energy. You know, some people thought I was ADHD. And as I've become an adult, I can feel my limitations and that can really sometimes upset me when I'm too tired to, you know, to do stuff. It's like I should be, you know, if there's a sunny day, I need to be out there and enjoy it. And in the winter, I found as well, I just can't get the energy up for things. I do think, I don't know if it's sad, I don't get depressed. So I wouldn't say, because that's meant to be depression, isn't it? But I would say definitely a lack of vitamin D, um it does run me down and makes me more susceptible to illness and lowers my energy levels. In addition, I've learnt that if I learn to move in cycles in the summer, to have the ups and downs and appreciate and take time out for myself when I can take time out for myself and to not run myself ragged and to forgive myself for being, for having days off and scheduling. If you sched If I schedule those days off, then I do forgive myself because it's like, yeah, it's your day off, do what you want to do. Um, so by doing that, I never, I very rarely run out of energy in the summer. Or if I do, if I know I'm getting tired, it's like, it's okay. So my busy week last week, it's like, it's okay, don't worry, it's Friday now, you're almost there. And then you congratulate yourself and feel that you deserve that day off. And in the winter, the way I deal with my energy levels, I tend to cut down on work a lot more in the winter. I know people in offices can't do that, but maybe you could pr procrastinate a little bit more. Um, also, I take vitamin D tablets. I eat so many mushrooms, but I still feel it's not enough. I have to get out in the sunshine. But the thing is, there's not a lot of sunshine in England. And no matter how many thermal outfits I wear, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't mind the snow, I don't mind freezing cold minus temperatures when there's blue skies and sunshine, I hate the grey drizzle, it makes me feel like the world has died, or that I'm in purgatory or somewhere, you know, this isn't, this isn't, like, did the sun die, did the sun die, it's horrible, so what I tend to do is um, walk my dog, take some pictures, because there's some really cool moody pictures in England in the winter. You, you can see them on Instagram. Walk my dog, take some pictures, and don't do too much of it. Don't push myself to go too far. You know, just baby steps. Just get out there for 10 minutes a day and see something beautiful. Because the thing is also, which is really great for mental health, getting outside and nature. Sometimes when we do the same walk on the underground in London every day, we just don't, we're oblivious to what we see. We, we become almost shadows of ourselves and we're not living our life. But getting out in nature and really observing the clouds and the trees 
and try to see beauty especially in England in the winter where there is no beauty you do eventually see it and it changes your mind and nature in itself makes you more present than anything else and I'd say that's above meditation above anything just getting out with nature the good and the bad so that's what I do so my final thoughts are I couldn't state enough how nature has so much to do with mental health but I think when people say these things and we know these things and we've heard this of a psychologist but my big my big sometimes I can walk the dog you know get out in the winter just go and it doesn't actually do anything for me and I think the big thing for me and see if it works for you is to interact with nature I love you know like petting animals um I love petting zoos and stuff like that maybe it doesn't work for you but interacting like growing things touching leaves if you're not if you go out for a walk and you're not present in that walk mentally present it does nothing for you so a great tip is to actually touch if you're in a park in london or in a city you know touching the bark of the tree looking up through the leaves and seeing the sunshine through it really smelling it try and get every sense alive in nature smelling and by the way england stinks in the winter it just smells like mud but smelling nature seeing nature touching nature listening to nature and it's kind of nature is almost giving you meditations so that's my opinion on leading a healthier and happier life by by moving in one with nature yes we can't go back 2000 years and hibernate through the winter but we can definitely try to move in cycles and one thing nature always teaches us in mental health is nothing lasts forever ever whether it's good or bad things come and go but things move in cycles so if you've had a good moment you know don't be upset when that good moment potentially ends don't be upset and when you're having a dark time do know that that is impossible for that to last forever i mean it's literally impossible for it to last forever there's ups and downs and cycles to everything and so don't be scared of good times ending it's logically if you're having the best time of your life and nothing is going wrong something may go wrong but don't be scared of that embrace it it will happen things come and go and the only thing that's certain is that nothing is certain but be like a viking and embrace the spontaneity of life Thank you for tuning in once again to The Rosin Diaries by myself, Hannah Warmer. This is season three of The Rosin Diaries. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your support. And if you would like to support me further, you can always go to my PayPal, Hannah Warmer. You can see that on the link on Spotify, I'm sure, and everywhere else. And feel free to support me that way. See you next week.